Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. God's promises are a powerful reminder of God's trustworthiness in His Word. This is Crosspoint, and I'm your host, Mark Taylor. Today I'm going to be speaking with Todd Hampson. Todd's an author. He's co-host with Jeff Kinsley of the Prophecy Pros podcast and broadcast, which you hear on KNO. And we're going to take a look at the Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. Well, today on Crosspoint, we have with us Todd Hampson. Uh, Todd, um, folks, you may know Todd from the podcast, which is actually a broadcast every Saturday afternoon, uh, 5.30 uh, with uh, Jeff Kenley and Todd as they put that out, talking about Bible prophecy. And Todd, you've put a book together here. We put a couple of books. First couple of segments, we're going to talk about this book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. And uh, maybe that's a good thing. I know I read one time The Chronological Bible. And so I wrote it, I read the Bible in chronological form, and that's quite a bit different (laughs) just picking up the Bible and reading it when you read it in the chronological order. So is this some kind of the same type of deal, uh, the way that you've written this book? Somewhat, yes. It is chronological in order, although I did stick with um, the order of the books as they appear in the Bible. But the main thing I try to do in the book is show chronologically where different prophetic categories first pop up and then how they're built upon as you move through scripture for example the first you know uh, prophecy of a future messiah is in genesis 3:15 so that's the first messianic prophecy and then i kind of trace that as we go through uh, and the other key thing i did is basically in each book of the bible i highlight the key theme the key prophetic themes in that book and also the percentages of prophecy what what percentage of that book has uh fulfilled prophecy, what percentage of that book contains future prophecy. And the main reason I did that is because one one thing I often hear is, oh, well, prophecy's in the prophets and revelation. And what I'm trying to demonstrate is that, no, prophecy is literally all throughout the Bible. You can't get away from it unless you intentionally avoid it. (laughs) Yeah. Now, in the introduction of the book, you say, apart from God, this world is like a damaged ship floating through time on a collision course with destruction. Fortunately for us, God has given us a fixed point of reference to which we can uh, teeter our, or test our gauge so that we are not fl- flying, obje- flying, flying blind this in his prophetic word. Prophecy is mm-hmm. twofold, and it, all, it involves foretelling as well as foretelling. So this is what you're wanting to reveal from the book? Yeah, it really is. Like I said, I really wanted to demonstrate that it's, it, I call it the central nervous system of the Bible, because really the, the feature of prophecy, number one, it's the best apologetic that proves the Bible's from God, because God has a 100% track record of fulfilled prophecy being perfectly accurate. <laughs> and uh, so therefore we can trust him with all the future stuff as well. But But prophecy in general and eschatology specifically has been sidelined in, in recent years, and I'm really just wanted to demonstrate with this book that uh, it's a key feature of the Bible. You literally cannot get away from it, so it's something that all believers need to study and learn and pay attention to. Also in the book, you have charts. Uh, you've got different things, uh, illustrations, drawn-out timeline type of uh, 
areas as well. So uh, you're a, a real good drawer too, as a writer, as well as a writer. Is that correct? Yeah, it's funny. My, my background is in uh, art, illustration, and animation. I never thought I would be. I've always loved theology. I've always done missions and other served in churches in other areas, but I never thought I'd be writing and illustrating books on Bible prophecy. But you know, the Lord doesn't waste anything in your past, and He, you know, apparently was preparing me for this all along. And uh, I'm a visual learner. I, I like things to be simple and easy to understand. So I kind of write my books and illustrate them in that fashion. And uh, people tend to like that. They, they like complex things made simple and understandable. And I think it really puts handles on complex topics and makes it more accessible to more believers. And it makes it a colorful book as well. Now, in chapter 3, the rest of the Torah, I believe is what that's titled, it says Mm -hmm. on page 40, while I do acknowledge there is value in topical uh, studies, in my opinion, there is no better tool for discipleship and grasping God's Word than a systematic study of Scripture. Why is that? You know, it's funny. If we just uh, took in what we heard at church on Sundays, which some churches teach through the Bible exegetically, kind of verse by verse, but that takes a long time. Most churches teach topically. You know, you might have a five or six week uh, series on marriage, or a five or six week uh, series on the gifts of the Spirit, or the or the spiritual gifts. You know, that God gives us, and you know those types of things, and those are great. But it's almost like if if that's all we're doing, we're just barely scratching the surface, either through group Bible study or personal Bible study. It really, especially as mature believers who have been walking with the Lord for a while, we need to deepen our walk with Him, and we need to deepen our study of the Bible. And the only way to really do that is systematically. So you can do it chronologically from Genesis to Revelation, or pick a certain theme or area of theology and track, you know, study that systematically. Uh, but that that type of systematic study really brings the Bible to life and makes it more relevant than ever before. Chapter 8 or 6, I can't remember. But anyway, it's called The Incredible Prophecies of Isaiah. Now, why are the prophecies of Isaiah you consider them to be incredible? Yeah, all the prophets are mind-blowing, but Isaiah has, well, number one, the, the first uh, 39 chapters of Isaiah deal more with God's wrath and his directives and kind of the law aspect. And then the the last 27 chapters of Isaiah deal more with God's grace and his future plan. So it's kind of funny, uh, maybe divine uh, design, that it, it mirrors the 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament. Uh, of course, you know, man put those markers there. So I wouldn't die on that hill, so to speak. Uh, but that's how the book is divided, and it really does prophesy many things. All the prophets prophesied things in their immediate future, where God was calling Israel back to himself and was warning them of coming immediate judgment in their day. But also the prophets warn of a future time called the Day of the Lord, where all the nations are judged. You know, we call it the tribulation period. Um, But Isaiah in particular highlights uh, those two things and the millennial kingdom and the future reign of Christ. Um, obviously, a lot of Christmas verses come from, from Isaiah. You know, Isaiah 53 is a depiction of the cross that's so clear that it sounds like it comes from the New Testament. So it it really is a mind-blowing book. You could take any of the, the, the prophets and study them out, kind of camp out on them for a while, and I think people would learn a lot and really be encouraged in their walk. In the book here on page 95, you say, 
when you consider the millions of details that had to come together in order for the Jewish people to return to their homeland after 1,878 years of being scattered and mistreated all over the world, you can see why Jeremiah considered this single event to be the more miraculous and than anything in parting the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, this really was big. Uh, I mean, for our time to see the Jewish state come back into order. And even today, I mean, there's more Jews returning to Israel than when Jesus was there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, the, the rebirth of Israel in 1948 is crystal clear, a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Every Old Testament prophet, except for Jonah, predicted that Israel would become a nation again towards the end times, towards the last days. So, unfortunately, there's a large segment of Christianity that says the church has replaced Israel, and Israel being uh, uh, becoming a nation again is just an accident of history. But as I, as I write in that chapter, there's billions of details that had to have occurred for Israel to become a nation again in their original ancient homeland, and for the Jewish people to even want to return to their homeland. And as you mentioned now, I I believe the last statistic I read was over half of the world's population of Jewish people now live in Israel. And with every, you know, with the Ukraine war and other things, there's more and more Jewish people just streaming back to their homeland. Uh, And all of that is in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And twice in Jeremiah, he says, I'm paraphrasing here, but there's verses that say, as amazing as the parting of the Red Sea and the Exodus was, there's coming a day when that will be seen as less miraculous than the Jewish people streaming to their land again and their nation becoming a nation again. Yeah, I remember in a yeah. conference once I heard a speaker talking on the, along this line, and he said that when we see and hear about uh, Jewish people being persecuted all of a sudden again, that that all becomes an issue in these countries, and uh, there seems to be a a real pressure on them to re- and they all he said don't mm-hmm. think that's bad they said because god's wanting that he wants to draw them back to their homeland and you say in here on page 105 of the book many believers do not realize we currently live in sort of a transition period during which we are witnessing the stage being set for all the end time drama to unfold you don't think as as many are getting it as should be getting it I do, yeah. I think I think people either swing from one extreme to the other, either everything is a sign or nothing is an end time sign. <laughs> so I try to, uh, and Jeff and I do this on the Prophecy Pros podcast. We try to highlight what prophecies are clearly fulfilled, like Israel becoming a nation again. That's an end time prophecy. Which uh, prophecies are in formation? Uh, things like the push for globalism, the technology that we're seeing developed, all that is laying the groundwork for what we read about in the future tribulation period. But there are also some compelling prophecies that are actually being fulfilled right before our eyes. And to me, that's one of them. The two key prophecies that are literally being fulfilled right now in process, they're not completed, but they're in process, is the Jewish people streaming back to the homeland and the Jewish nation springing back to life. Uh, before Israel became a nation again in 1948, for, for over a thousand years, it was a swampland. Was, there was barely any people that lived there. There was almost no vegetation, no city. You know, the cities were in ruins. But in fulfillment of Bible prophecy, once the Jewish people were back in their homeland again, it has sprung back to life, and now they export fruit and vegetables to Europe, and they're one of the most you know per capita wealthiest nations on the planet. So... Again, those things, you can't make that up. You can't force-fit those prophecies or, or self-fulfill those. Those are so detailed and specific that only God could have orchestrated those things. 
On page 77 of the book, you said, Personally, I think one major reason for the apostasy and the broad uh, service level of cultural Christianity of our day is the lack of prophetic teaching in our churches. You, You don't believe there's enough of that in our churches talking about the prophetic? I really don't. And I mean, obviously, that's not, I can't make that as a full blanket statement, but that's something I and many other students of prophecy have observed is that um, a lot of people just rely on what they hear on Sunday. They don't dig any deeper. Um, Discernment is the biggest need of the day. And when people don't know their Bibles, they're taken in by false teaching very easily. Um, So it's a real danger to not study Bible prophecy. And, And yes, for some reason, Uh, And I think it's because it's woven all throughout Scripture. When you study Bible prophecy, it deepens your understanding of all things biblical. Uh, Literally every book in the Bible, except for 3 John and Philemon, which are both single-chapter verses in the New Testament, every other book in the Bible has has prophecy in it. So (laughs) you can't get away from it. And so if you study it, it, it forces you to learn every aspect of Scripture And also, it gives you an excitement for the fact that God is active today. God is doing things today, and all of this is heading somewhere specific that God has promised to us. Tell us, Todd, you did more books than this book here, of course, but Mm -hmm. uh, if somebody wanted to know more about this book, The Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy, or any of the other books or the podcast, anything that you do, how would they go about doing that? Probably the simplest way would just go to toddhampson.com. That's T-O-D-D-H-A-M-P-S-O-N.com. And there's a book link there, and that has uh, information on all the books that I've written and illustrated. How, how many years have you been doing this? <laughs> uh, it's funny. I've only, I've only been writing books for about six years now, and I think I have, I, I've kind of lost count at the moment, uh, eight or nine books and several more in the works. And all I can say, Mark, is that God must want people to understand this topic because uh, from a human perspective, I shouldn't be writing books and there shouldn't be such a high demand for these. But God has opened this ministry door wide open to where I literally can't keep up. So you feel like God's put a hunger in people's heart uh, more than ever for prophecy to understand it? They really have. And and honestly, even non-believers are asking the big questions right now. They see the brokenness of the world. They're looking for love in all the wrong places, and they find all the wrong answers, but they see the brokenness. So in, in one sense, it's the golden hour for Christianity. We have an opportunity to leverage the instability of the day, to point people to a God who has promised to make all things right in the future, and who prophesied that all these things that we see are were going to happen, and they're happening exactly as foretold in Scripture. Well, folks, stay with us. We're going to be back more with Todd right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. You're listening to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Thanks for joining me today as I'm talking with Todd Hampson. And uh, Todd is 
put together uh, the Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. It's illustrated as well. It goes from Genesis to Revelation. And Todd, at the end of chapter 8, right at the very end, you say, the study of prophecy enriches our appreciation for God's Word, helps us to recognize it's a supernatural book that prepares us for an incredible, uh, or for the incredible days in which we live. You believe we're living in incredible days? I know there's a lot of different words for what we're living in these days. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. You know, from a human perspective, no doubt, they're scary days. They're, you know, our country is being decimated on so many levels, and that's heartbreaking to watch from our human perspective. Uh, every, you know, the, the, in the world in general, there's a leadership vacuum. You know, there's no real leader who's making things better as there typically has been in the past. So from our perspective, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get fearful. Uh, those of us who have children or even grandchildren are worried about their future if the Lord doesn't return very soon. So these are real concerns. But one thing that Bible prophecy does is it, it gives you these infrared goggles where you can see things through a different perspective. It's not that we rejoice that all that's happening. It is definitely scary and heartbreaking on many levels. But it lets us know that everything is falling into place just as God said it would. Therefore, we are deep in the end times. You know, we read in the New Testament, even in the first century, they said, Dear children, we are in the last hour. Or if we were in that last hour then, we must be in the last minutes now. Uh, we don't know the day or hour. We, you know, it, it could the Lord could delay, and He's waiting. He, he does that in mercy. He wants people to come to the Lord, so He He's all about salvation. That's the only reason for His seeming delay and why He hasn't returned yet. Of course, He has His designated time when He's going to return. But all that to say, we know He's got the future in His hands. He's a sovereign God, and He has the details of our specific lives in His hands as well. Yeah. Now, we'll get into it in the next subject a little bit more, but you do mention, and it is in here, uh, A Grand View of Prophetic History, page 121. You're talking about Daniel. Say, when Daniel was given the end-time prophecies that are detailed in this in the book, sometimes he felt disturbed, and other times he wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. He, he was interested even in, why am I being told this then? So the book of Daniel, you believe, is a key prophetic book? It really is. You know, in, in, in seminaries that still teach eschatology, Daniel and Revelation are always taught side by side in the same class because Daniel gives the framework for Revelation. So you, you really got to study them um, together to understand. And yes, Daniel, <laughs> he gave, uh, he, he was given a lot of prophecies that he didn't even understand. You know, he had a tough assignment where he was given some of these prophecies and he wanted to know what was going on, but uh, he they said they were sealed up for the time of the end. So uh, Daniel, we, we need to thank him when we meet him in heaven to uh, <laughs> for writing those prophecies down because we're blessed by it. Matter of fact, the book of Daniel, I believe, is more relevant now than it's ever been on many levels. So it's a, another amazing prophetic book. Well, another one, and you talk about it in the book, but it's the old story and back, it goes to the starting of the book, Genesis, uh, back to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, how vile it had got during that time. And actually, um, Todd, if you look at the things going on in this world, it almost to me seems like we've surpassed Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really do look at Bible prophecy and you look at things, it seems like we went past that now. And uh, that's a scary thought. It really is. You know, matter of fact, when Jesus, if you read the Olivet Discourse, which was his, his end time discussion with his disciples, um, he mentioned, if you read it, it's in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, in, and when you compare those, 
he said both that the end times would be like the days of Noah and they would be like the days of Sodom. So it would be violent, sexually immoral, people inventing evil, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Yeah, it's, and, you know, thank God we're still salt and light as believers because uh, we're restraining that evil from coming on the stage full force. But can you imagine, if it's this evil now, can you imagine how evil it's going to be the moment that we're all raptured and taken out of here? Yeah, and that's that's very, very true. Now, let's jump into chapter 12 of, of your book here. You take us into the New Testament here now, and there is you talk about Paul's position in this. So even mm-hmm. Paul spoke prophetically, you believe? Oh, he did. I mean, he, he was given um, the doctrine of the rapture. You know, it says that he was... Uh, he was taken up and to paradise. He was he was raptured in the spirit, so to speak, and was given visions of the mystery of the rapture, and he impacts that. Um, of all of his letters, First and Second Thessalonians are the most eschatological, or the, the ones that teach the most about the end times. Uh, and what's interesting about that, and this kind of ties back with uh, the last segment, Mark, is that uh, he was only with the church at Thessalonica for about three weeks. Yet in that time, in their Believers 101 class, he taught them all about eschatology, all about the rapture and the day of the Lord and all that stuff. Um, so the gist of First and Second Thessalonians is keep working, keep your hand at the plow, and keep, keep working hard for the Lord, but at the same time, keep one eye up because you, the Lord could return at any moment. So that's a healthy, a healthy tension, a healthy way for us to live as believers throughout the church age. Well, staying in chapter 12, a couple of pages on from that, you talk about two key passages, the rapture passages in the scripture, and you talk about they, how they provide crystal clear details about the future event known as the rapture. But yet, Todd, there's a lot of people that debate the rapture, the tribulation, pre-trib, post-trib, and all that. How, mm-hmm. what, is, what is the viewpoint here in the book? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pre-trib, and I, I highlight that theme in the book to show you how we get there, uh, that first of all, the rapture is a clear doctrine taught, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 and Second Thessalonians 2, and then, like I said, First and Second Thessalonians unpack a lot of, lot of events. But it's very clearly taught in Scripture, the, the, the play-by-play, slow-motion action of exactly what happens in the rapture is in First Thessalonians uh, 4, so you can't get away from it. And, and I believe that the rapture happens before the future tribulation period. I always make an effort to say that's not a salvation issue. Good, good strong, loving, smart believers hold different views of that. But it's interesting to me that uh, the early church believed that the Lord could return at any moment. We call that the, the imminency of the rapture, that it could happen at any moment. It's imminent. Um, and there are tons of verses in the, every time the rapture is spoken of or the Lord's return is spoken of in the New Testament, it's spoken of as an imminent event that, that believers of all ages had to stay ready for. And that can only be true of a pre-tribulation rapture. If not, we can kind of hang out and wait until we see the Antichrist come on the scene and 21 judgments from God and all these mid-trib events and supernatural things that are going to happen during that seven-year period. Then we know at the end of that specific seven-year period, the Lord returns. So uh, we, we either have to you know, kind of look over or ignore all these verses about the imminency of the rapture to get to any other view except for the pre-trib view, meaning the rapture happens prior to the future time of judgment on earth. Page 188 of the book, 189 as well, 
you talk about the seven churches uh, they're found in Revelation. Uh, you talk about the church, the key uh, feature, the church period, and the dates. When we get down to the bottom of that uh, page there, in your chart, you've got Laodicea, the lukewarm church, the postmodern church, and you go 1925, and then you your dash says today. So you believe this is where we're living at today in the Laodicean period of the church? I do believe that. Those churches that are spoken of in, in the first couple chapters of Revelation, those were literal churches of that day that, that uh, John ministered to. So that was the cycle of churches that his letters were sent to. They also serve as evaluators for us personally as believers and for our churches. You know, he, Jesus in those letters gave recommendations and rebukes and commendations for most of them. Some of them had no, no rebukes, um, the Philadelphia church, for example. Um, and not all Bible prophecy teachers agree that those correlate with the, the church age uh, sections as well from the first century to now. But I tell you, just this summer, I, I took a, a history of doctrine course at DTS, and it just affirmed to me that, that I, I think they really are. I wouldn't die on that hill. I wouldn't build my theology around it. But, but it's amazing to me how those seven church periods line up perfectly with seven distinct periods of church history. So, so yeah, with that being, we're seeing all the characteristics of the Laodicean church that is lukewarm, kind of surface level, kind of not really passionate or really doing much for the Lord. Uh, and again, that's just a general statement of the church at large, uh, not, not so much every specific church. Yeah. Now, chapter 15 is the last chapter in the book entitled The 800-Pound End Times Gorilla in the Room, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting title. You yeah. say there are things, uh, you know, talk about being things unstable in today's post-COVID-19 world. It seems humanity has been plunged into a control-free fall toward forward toward collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, how... You know, you said, <laughs> how's that for encouragement? Well, <laughs> in a way, it is encouraging to know that the Lord's getting ready to return. It yeah. is kind of, I won't want to say spooky so much as uneasiness in mm-hmm. how that's going to all happen. I mean, if you're a Christian and you really are following the scriptures, you know something's up. You know something's not just right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go to a book like yours that you've written here, uh, and some people know a little bit about prophecy, but are interested in prophecy. You believe this book here will help them understand the Bible? I really do. I think it'll help them understand that topic at large and really back it up with some concrete statistics from each book and highlighting the key themes in each book. And uh, as you mentioned, it, it, one, one famous uh, preacher used to say it's growing gloriously dark. It's, it's not that we want it to get dark. It's not that we want evil to advance. Like I said, as, as the salt and light, we push back against evil at every chance we get, and we restrain that. Um, but the darker the night, the brighter the light, and the, the darker it gets, the, more, the closer the Lord's return is and the more obvious it is that he needs to return. Well, at at the end of the book, you know, you talk about finishing strong, you know, and and really it is in life. It's not how you start as much as how you mm-hmm. finish. But the importance of finishing strong, would you say that means as Christians uh, that we need to fi- finish with a greater boldness than we've ever had uh, towards a thing uh, for the kingdom of God? Because 
like you also said, there's a lot of unbelievers that are beginning to question what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's really us as believers that are going to have to point them in the right direction. A book like this trying to get us to help understand Bible prophecy can help us explain Bible prophecy. Yes, absolutely, Mark. That's my whole passion for writing this book and my other books, is that I want to awaken and equip the church to make them see this is this is the golden hour. This is when we need to rise up and finish strong. You know, every if you watch football, there's a the two-minute drill at the end where it's different than the rest of the game. It's Everything's in high gear. Every, you're paying attention to everything. You have the goal is in sight. The end is in sight. And there, there's a healthy motivation that comes with that where we can really finish strong. As you mentioned, that's important in our lives in general to finish strong. We want to, you know, stay married. We want to we raise our kids and grandkids. We want to finish strong ministries and, and leave our sphere of influence better than we left it. And the same is true with the world and the church age. We have an opportu- opportunity now to kind of get off the sidelines, step onto the field, and leverage these times to point people to Christ like never before. And that does take an amount of boldness. But the more we study Bible prophecy, I think it equips us and it lights a fire inside of us to do just that. Well, Todd, do you not think that we're going to be held accountable uh, before God about how we dealt with Bible prophecy and how we presented it to humanity as Christians? I do believe so. You know, we read about a future event in our lives called the Bema Seat of Christ or the the Judgment Seat of Christ, and it's not a judgment for salvation. It's a believer's judgment where our works and our motives are evaluated. Um, So we don't want to get there. It's like the the Olympic ceremony. We don't want to get there and have to get a you know bronze medal when we could have got gold. We want to we want to make sure that we leverage everything we've got and finish strong. And I do believe. Uh, not neglecting Bible prophecy is one of the things that will equip us to do just that. You know, I've always thought it was a key point with people, because a lot of people come back, uh, even the preachers and the churches sometimes, said it's hard for me to teach on Bible prophecy because uh, it's hard to understand for some people. Mm-hmm. And some people, it says it scares them. <laughs> so yeah. th- it's hard for them to present it. But I always try to tell people, if you're not a good witnesser, if you've got a short area that you just cannot find enough strength to really step up to the plate and do what you're called to do on that, maybe, then take what you've got, which is your resources, maybe your time, and invest it in other people that'll do it. So if it's a pastor Mm -hmm. and he doesn't understand it, he needs to be inviting people to his church that, like you and others, that are prophecy teachers that can come and explain that to his people so that they can understand what's going on. Or if they can't witness, uh, get behind these uh, uh, groups that are out there witnessing on the streets that are not afraid to do that. There's many ways we can help to to make this work. And uh, I do appreciate you, uh, you know, talking about this book here on prophecy. Uh, if people want to know more about how to get that book, how would they go about doing it? Uh, Just go to ToddHampson.com, and you can find all the information there. All right. Well, when we be back, we're going to talk about another book Todd has, so stay with us. God's Word speaks truth. God's Word speaks life. And God's Word speaks to us today. Hi, I'm Pastor John Marins of the Granby Christian Church. Each week, we explore God's Word together on In the Shadow of Your Wings, a radio broadcast on KNEO. Tune in each Saturday at 6.45 p.m. to hear the show. 
And if you ever miss it, you can always view the archive online at kneo.org. We also have the program available as a podcast as well, so you can listen anytime, anywhere. It's available from Sky High Podcast Network. I invite you to check out the show and learn more about our incredible God and how He cares for you. You can trust Him. You can depend on Him, and you can rest in the shadow of His wings. On Purpose with a Purpose. For a purpose. To get God's truths into their lives. Share God's love with people who need encouragement. You get the truth of God out there and it resounds and it resonates. 91.7 The Word. It does amazing things in people's lives. You're back at Cross Point. I'm Mark Taylor. And we've been talking today with Todd Hampson about his book on the Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. Now, one of the big characters in Bible prophecy, to me, Todd, is the book of Daniel. There's just a lot there. And so you took and wrote a special book called The Nonprofit's Guide to the Book of Daniel. Uh, same thing. You've written it. You've illustrated it. And it's Bible prophecy for everyone. Now, Daniel, to me, is a very amazing type of, you know, him and John, to me, are two key figures, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in that area. Isaiah as well. I guess you could keep going. But uh, Daniel... Uh, he was in a very bad spot in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And then when all this stuff happened to Nebuchadnezzar, most kings, when they go crazy and think they're an animal and all that, that would have been the end of his kingdom. I'm just throwing this out here. You can tell me what you Mm -hmm. think when it comes to Daniel. But we know Daniel was elevated up very high into the kingdom and leadership and had tremendous authority. And I always wonder if God used Daniel to hold that kingdom together until Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar could come back. And it was really Daniel that was a key figure in that whole story of, of, of his own story, but of how that nation survived, it wouldn't have survived the way it did if it hadn't been for Daniel. So you've written this book. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's a great observation. And, and just to give your listeners a little bit of background, yeah, Daniel was one of the few exilic prophets, meaning he was a prophet in exile. So the other prophets were prophesying, hey, judgment's coming if you don't change your ways. Well, they didn't change your ways and judgment came. Uh, first, Israel was attacked and t- they were taken away to Syria, and then Judah was attacked by Babylon, and, and Daniel was among uh, several teenage boys who were taken out of his homeland, taken to a foreign pagan country, and they tried to indoctrinate him into their pagan ways. I believe Daniel is relevant on two ways, because number one, it's a book of prophecy. Number two, it shows how Daniel stood for the Lord in that pagan environment. And as you mentioned, as he stood, the Lord used him and, and elevated him and protected him. And he had test after test. You know, you read about the Daniel in the lion's den where he prayed, even though there was a law against praying. And as you mentioned here, he interpreted a dream for Nebuchadnezzar, and then later Nebuchadnezzar literally went crazy and uh, acted like an animal. Uh, and, and yes, I, I do believe Daniel was used to keep that going until God's appointed time for the next uh, kingdom. And as a matter of fact, the prophecy in 2 and 7, and, and we may be talking about this, but Daniel predicted four specific Gentile kingdoms that would come out of that area over a, a long period of time, and all of those came to be exactly like he foretold. Yeah, very very much so, and plus all the other stuff that he had to dodge lines and everything else in the mm-hmm. process of doing all that. And, and you know, it's just amazed me that uh, there's, they've not talked more about 
you know, Nebuchadnezzar was a monstrous ruler, uh, mm-hmm. you know, referred to a lot. And yet in the end, he's looking to God. He's praising God. He's giving God glory. I don't know how many times he does that. Every time he tries to do something, he turns around and gives God glory for messing him up so that, you know, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, just like you said, he turns into an animal. Well, an animal has to be fed. Could it not been that he was being sustained by even Daniel at that time? And that's a chapter at the end of your book that's called Dare to Be a Daniel. So mm-hmm. you really want to encourage people to dare to be like Daniel. I do, because, you know, now more than ever, we're living in a pagan culture, um, not too different than what Daniel was raised in. And we're seeing more and more persecution coming towards believers, even in the West. We're seeing more, uh, we don't have home field advantage anymore, so to speak. So uh, it's more like the first century when it was unchristianized completely. So Daniel shows us patterns of prayer and practice that show us how to live in a time like this. Uh, And I think it's very interesting that many of his prophecies were end-time prophecies, and he demonstrated for us how to stand and be a Daniel, to to stand for righteousness. And he did it in a whimsical way. He wasn't a jerk about it, but he was unwavering. If we read uh, chapter 1 of Daniel, it says, uh, essentially, he pre-decided. It says he determined in his heart not to be defiled by the king's pagan delicacies. And so he pre-decided, and I think we need to do that as believers, to pre-decide that we're going to stand for the Lord no matter what it takes, but we're going to leverage the times to point people to the truth in Scripture. Yeah. Now, at one point in the book you've got here on page 199, this really stuck out to me, uh, 490 years. You know, you talk about 490 years. You say, uh, when we seek God humbly and with the right motives— we just might get more than what we bargained for. God is looking for those who are submitted to him. There is a lot of kingdom work yet to be done, and the main ability God is looking for among people is availability. And the reason that stuck out to me, Todd, was here a while back I had to have open-heart surgery, and my heart wasn't working. They told me there was nothing they could do for me uh, through a period of other things going on they was able to get me to a special place where they could do something for me but i remember telling god hey i'm ready to leave this earth i don't like it i don't really want to live here so if this is the way i need to leave i'm fine with that Mm -hmm. but i did tell him I'm available if you still want to use me. You'll have to mm. fix you'll have to fix me so that I I can still be available. <laughs> but I am available if you still want to use me. Well, here I sat, you know, it could have went the other way. So I really am big on what you wrote there about people being available and God mm-hmm. will use them. Wow, what a great testimony, Mark. Personally, I appreciate your attitude there and your example. And I'm sure many of your listeners will be encouraged by that to know that, you know, it's kind of like Paul said, you know, I'd rather be with the Lord, but because there's still work to be done, uh, I'm fine being here. So, yeah, there's there's nothing that's going to beat being in heaven. You know, people like, I don't want to go to heaven yet. I'm going to miss this or that or whatever. Listen, a millisecond in heaven, and we'll be like, oh, my gosh, I never want to go back. I never want to see anything else. But, like you said, I think it's being available, you know, like, like Jesus did when he said, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. 
he looked past the pain of the cross to the future glory of winning our salvation. So we need to kind of model that as well and say, Lord, whatever you have in store for me, what, however you want to use me, I am available. As you mentioned, and as I mentioned earlier with my book writing, it's not about talent. It's not about uh, how cool somebody is or what, how good of a personality is. It's all about availability. He can use, he, matter of fact, he would prefer to use people who are broken and have nothing to offer except for themselves and their availability. So every believer out there has that opportunity. Well, and that's for sure the story of Daniel. I mean, here's a young man that probably, I hate to say it this way, but a young man that experienced everything that most young men wouldn't want to. His life's completely changed. Mm -hmm. He has to do what somebody else tells him pretty much. Uh, He's probably castrated because of Mm -hmm. that situation, you know, in those days of his position and all those kind of things. Yet he chose to serve the Lord through all that. And on page 14, you say the book of Daniel also provides some of the most practical lessons one can find in how to survive and thrive in a period of rapid change while living in a culture. And yeah, I mean, this is for today. Uh, We are living in a world that is changing just like it did with Daniel. His world turned upside down. Our world is trying to get upside down. It's going to make it there eventually. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are in the same time period uh, or just a different time period than what Daniel was, but still happened to face maybe some of the same things Daniel did. Yeah, we really are. I I do think it's very practical on that level. Uh, I think anybody that reads the book of Daniel or reads this book that I wrote on the book of Daniel will get that sense maybe in a fresh way that, oh, okay, well, I'm I'm not alone in this scenario where I'm living in an era where things are crumbling around me and where I can't really you know, trust the things that I used to trust in. And maybe that's a healthy thing. Maybe one thing God's doing with everything that happened with COVID and all the instability that followed that is he's kind of separating the wheat from the chaff and seeing which believers are going to really disconnect from the world and plug into him. And remember that this is not our home. We're citizens of heaven. God has us here for a purpose. We shouldn't put too much of our hope and too much of our stock in the things of the world because mark we're only here for a millisecond you know it's like a a speck of dust on a on a giant you know space-sized area when we compare our lives to what eternity is going to be like so this is just a short time but it's a short time when we have an opportunity to stand like daniel stood and make a difference for god because once we get to heaven everyone there's already saved and god's glorified and there's nothing to worry about now is the time we need to work now is the time we need to step up to the plate and do what we're called to do. Page 11, I'm still in the front of the book because it, you make some really good statements right in here. No more than ever as a Christian, we need to understand our times, you say, and know how to live. For these reasons, I believe carefully a study of the book of Daniel is greatly needed today. Now, this is a day in which a lot of people like to just basically read the New Testament a lot, but you mm-hmm. believe the book of Daniel is a must read. I do. Matter of fact, I would say the entire Old Testament. If you get a better handle on the Old Testament, it makes the New Testament that much more rich. Um, but we we often write off the Old Testament uh, and the Book of Daniel in particular because it's a 
dusty old prophet who was prophesying to Judah back in the day, and we forget how relevant it is. And that's why I spent the the time and the effort and the blood, sweat, and tears (laughs) to write this book, to bring it to to highlight the fact that Daniel is more relevant today than it's ever been in history. Well, you know, those books like Daniel and Job, which you also refer to uh, in the the book as well, but Mm -hmm. Daniel faced things that were pretty dramatic, Uh, you know, being thrown in a hole full of lions, having people lie to you, uh, but also being a man of God, because when he was told not to pray, he didn't care what the the king said. He was going to do what God said. That's really got to be our attitude, the same as this in this guide, uh, nonprofits guide to the book of Daniel. Uh, We've got to be that bold to say, I'm still going to do it. I don't care if the culture says you can't do it. If it goes Mm -hmm. against God's word, we have to do it. That's so true. And there there are kind of two levels of that. There are some things in Scripture that are abundantly clear about what we're supposed to do and and not supposed to do. You know, those things are somewhat easy to say, okay, I see that line in the sand. But also I'm finding more and more in in our era that there's also some matters of conscience uh, that we have to pray through as believers. And it might be slightly different for different believers. Uh, For example, I know a few pastor friends on the West Coast when – they were told to shut down their churches. They, they, they did it for a couple of weeks until they realized, yeah, this is a little bit weird, and I'm going to obey God rather than man. And they opened their churches back up and were sued for it and all kinds of stuff and really took a, a bold stand. Um, even right now, there's a big push for, uh, you know, there's a new strain of COVID out supposedly and people pushing for masks. And thankfully, <laughs> a lot of people are like, yeah, that, that was, we realized and that was, a, that was way too controlling last time. Uh, we're not going to let that happen this time. So uh, we do live in an era where we have to prayerfully make choices as believers based on our convictions, and and it may not be the same for all believers. For example, there's a few stores, uh, and I won't name them on the show, but that I no longer shop at because of things that they've done and stuff that they've sold and uh, and, and, and that kind of thing. And you can't do that in every case. There's no way. We're called to be in the world but not of it, so we can't get away from all evil. But all that to say, there are clear-cut things we need to stand for the Lord, and as the as the time grows darker, there may be areas of conscience that each of us need to take a stand, which will give others courage as well. Yeah, and I don't care if you say them either. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to them either. I, I'm not going to put up with that stuff. So, nope. very last page in the book, 212. You say there, as you're going out of the book, be a strong Christian, be prepared for whatever may lie ahead, trusting in God's sovereign care. We look back at an empty tomb, we look up to an occupied throne, and we look forward to a victorious future that is already sealed in heaven. When we anchor our thoughts and emotions to those key factors, you can still thrive as believers no matter what we face in this life. Dare to be a Daniel, normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is. That's really good. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild how I would say the past 20 or 30 years, the, the church at large has been very good at, you know, looking back to the importance of the, the resurrection in the empty tomb and, the, you know, what Christ did on the cross and how the, the tomb secured our salvation. Um, but the, the other two components, I think that the church at large has, has taken its eyes off the ball, so to speak. We, we don't often look up to that occupied throne. In other words, we don't often acknowledge that God is sovereign over our times and he's sovereign over our lives. That means he's in control. He's guiding all of this. 
Um, and also, we don't look to our amazing promised future. The church at large has, has sidelined eschatology. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, Mark, if a pastor doesn't feel comfortable teaching that or, or whatever, call in somebody. You know, churches will often have uh, marriage people come in and talk about marriage or finance, Christian finances or that kind of thing. But there are, there are specialists, so to speak, that are equipped and passionate and ready to assist the church at this time. And there's a, there's a lot of good ones out there. So we can leverage that to point people to, to the things of the future without being sensational and without being scary. As a matter of fact, I would say if, if people are teaching or getting scared by prophecy, it's being taught wrong because <laughs> it's not scary. It's actually hopeful and gives answers to what we're seeing happen in front of us. Todd, tell us again how we can pick up either one of these books, the Nonprofits Guide to the Book of Daniel or the Chronological Guide to Bible Prophecy. Sure thing, Mark. They're, they're available anywhere books are sold online, but if they go to toddhampson.com, there's a list of all the books uh, on the books link on that page. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us today here on Crosspoint. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Great interview today. You know, the Bible is the inspired words of God. It doesn't matter who you are. The Bible works for you if you want it to work in your life. All these things we talked about with Todd today, he's got all of that from the Bible. The other book that I hold in my hand right now, that book accurately directs everyone's life, then they'll follow it. The Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and ever follow. Be sure and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week and allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online at kneo.org. Never miss your favorite show again. For more than 30 years, KNEO has been bringing you great Bible teachers on a local and national level. And now, we've made it easier than ever to hear from these great men and women of God. KNEO's entire lineup is now available to listen anytime, anywhere through our website. Go to KNEO.org slash podcast to see all the options. You can search for programs alphabetically, or you can select individual categories like culture, kids, leadership, or music. We even have a category just for locally produced programs, so you can hear from pastors and spiritual leaders located right here in the four-state area. And... All these resources are absolutely free. Kaneo's mission is to get God's Word in front of you, and this is one of the ways we do it. Give it a try today. Go to kaneo.org and click on the podcast tab to get started. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.